Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. We're back with another Q&A episode this week, answering questions from our faithful listeners. This time, we're talking about personal prophecy and what weight we should give it in our lives. One listener struggles with trying to fix all their friends' and family's problems. We give a few tips on how they can steer clear of that relational trap. We also look at our value and how to separate our internal worth from what we do. Now, if you have any questions you would like us to tackle, we would love to hear from you at lifeexchangepodcasts at gmail.com. That's lifeexchangepodcasts at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we are back this week with another Q&A episode of Life Exchange. Um, So please let us know how you liked uh, our previous episode. And this one might sound completely different. Um, We have different questions, so it might have a different tone. Um, But we're we're ready to to give it our best. (laughs) So (laughs) um, are you guys ready for the first question? Yes. As ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Okay. And we don't want to make them realize that this is our third episode of recording. <laughs> of this one? Oh, I mean of the day. Yeah, of the day, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Well, I like this question. It says, I struggle with trying to fix all my friends' and family's problems. How do I learn to let go of trying to fix everything? Well, I think, personally... Um, <laughs> is when we try to fix someone else, we are actually harming them. We're hurting them to try to do for them what only they can do for themselves. Because well, the truth that you carry is so important. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that should be a support to them, not doing it for them. We can't fix another person. We are not God. Mm-hmm. We are not the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we don't want people to become dependent upon us. If I fix Katie, then Katie will be dependent upon me. But if I can empower Katie through truth and be a support to you as you are processing through, then you have laid a foundation that God has spoken to you or Mm -hmm. truth has been revealed to you, then then that will carry you forward. Mm -hmm. But I think if we feel we have to fix that means I become God. Yeah. Even though we don't think that way, but I don't have the power to do what only that person can do or what God can do for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard it said that the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like your wife's. <laughs> so that's what I'm going on. <laughs> and my wife listening to this, she's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> you don't listen to me. <laughs> And see, I think sometimes if we feel we got to fix someone, we're actually stepping into false responsibility. Yeah. And that will never, ever fix the problem. Well, I think like this question is a good one for me because I am a natural fixer. Um, If somebody tells me their problem immediately, my mind is going towards... You have to find a solution. Yeah, yeah, that that is just the way that I am built. Um, So I will always be looking to fix my problem, your problem, the next door neighbor's problem. Like it's just- Well, you you fix it by bringing a solution. So, you can't walk out that well, solution for where them. I was going with that is I have even come to recognize where my gift 
isn't always what people are after. So mm. that me offering a way to fix it um, is not what people are always wanting from me. And I'm actually exhausting myself coming up with solutions and offering them that people didn't ask me for. So some things that I am trying, I'm still trying to work out is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm immediately still going to probably try to come up with a solution, but when it's with another person, two things, one is, okay, how can I show compassion Mm -hmm. and, and just that, (laughs) just show them compassion without doing anything else without, without trying to fix it, without offering solutions, without taking on that false responsibility. How can I just show compassion? How can I say, um, and I'm really practicing this. This has not come easy for me. You know, not that compassion doesn't come easy, but for me to just leave it at compassion does not come naturally. So I, I'm working out how, and if you have solution or if you have solutions, if you have advice for me in this, I'm all ears, but how to just say, you know, I hear you. That sounds hard. Um, those type of a things. And then secondly, the other thing I've, this phrase has become really important for me is I say, how can I help? Mm. Because typically I will just offer the solution. But when I say, how can I help? I'm, I'm actually getting to hear them, getting to find out if they want my input in that way and getting to know if I can actually offer something because I can't take on, I can't fix everybody's problems. Not everybody's asking me to do that. But if I say, how can I help? That kind of one puts it back on their side, but two also lets me know what my role is in this situation. One thing, Katie, you are very gifted at processes and structures that can bring healing. Mm -hmm. You know, the truth is inside of you and you do hear the solution. When you talk to somebody, that's a gift God has given you. And so maybe just communicating in a question, you know where you're going, but ask a question that they can discover where you're going and in their thoughts, in their uh, ways of processing that, they came up with that solution by that question you generated. Yeah. And sometimes it does get to that place and that's awesome. But for me, I found that so often I am putting energy into that, into Mm -hmm. thinking of what question I could ask to as a lead question to get where I really want to go. And I'm still expending all this energy. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I just say an open-ended question to start, like, how can I help? That kind of keeps me from using up energy that I might not need to be using because and sometimes they want you to listen, not necessarily exactly. help. So yeah. like if I say that, how can I help? If there's, I, I just needed to get that off my chest or I just needed to get that out there. Then I can stop with that. And I don't even have to think of another question or a way to get to where I want to go. I can just kind of respond to what they said. That's been really helpful for me. I would say if you're trying to fix everybody else's problems, that sounds like a pretty chaotic way to live. Yeah. Because a lot of those things are out of your control. Yeah. And so one of the joys of being a father is when I see my children (laughs) figure things out, some things out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings me joy for one, because I know that they're maturing Another reason it brings me joy is because I don't have to do it (laughs) because they figured it out. Yeah. All joking aside, 
I think the more grace that we can give people to be imperfect, mm. the freer we will be. Mm. And so when I see situations, um, it, it's funny, like my wife will say, well, Aiden, did you ask this person about this particular situation? And I don't know where he gets it from. Partly it is his personality. He's like, well, that's none of my business. <laughs> I say, yes, that's <laughs> awesome. And But something is like, some things are your business, Aiden, and you need to get more proactive. But his thing is like, I don't need to know if it's none of my business. Yeah. And I think we get a, ourselves into a lot of trouble because we want to be in everybody's business. Yeah. And that just sounds like a chaotic, uh, stressful, exhausting life. Yeah. So one of the things that you can do is just the more I extend grace for people to make mistakes, mm -hmm. the freer it's going to make me. Yeah. Now, if they come, and I'm a very solution-oriented person, so if they come to me and ask something, I'm willing to offer it, but I can't make them do it. Yeah, right. And when you get into the point where you are setting up scenarios that it makes it more possible for them to do what you were, sometimes you just got to say it and yep. just let it go. Yeah. Now, if I could just tell my children once to wash the dishes, that would be awesome. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> no. no. I, I think when we talk to people uh, and they share their problems, our goal was not to draw them to us, but to draw them to Jesus. And I've written down a couple questions because one thing, uh, especially early in uh my years as a believer who who really wanted to see people's lives change with the revelation God gave me, I would work harder on their growth than they were. I just so wanted to see them be a success. You taught me a lot of things. Did I teach you a lot of things? Yeah, you said you learned from those situations. And I learned, like I tell my kids, you know, a good way or a great way to uh, learn in life is to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, yeah. A good way is to learn from your own. A not so good way is to learn from neither. <laughs> and so I learned some great lessons from your yeah, life. So, the things that I didn't yeah, do right. Yeah, yeah. And really from that, I think we need to ask ourselves some questions because when I'm reaching out to support someone, not fix them, support them, I have to ask myself, do I need them to need me? Yep. I had that question written down as Did well. Did you? Uh, why do I feel I must be their solution? Because mm -hmm. there's something self-driven about that. It's like, I, I'm going to love you because I need you to love me. And if you're fixed, it somehow validates this gift that I carry. And so... Uh, why have I embraced this responsibility to fix them? Why, why would I even think that I had the power to fix another human being? Um, will I feel like a failure if they fail? Oh, I remember years ago, if somebody did something, uh, this was years ago in the youth group, there was this um, one young person who just did this horrible thing. And I spent weeks beating myself up for what I should have done and how I should have been aware. 
and I think, oh my gosh, I look back and I go, man, I am not God. I'm not all knowing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not everywhere all the time. These are young people here, right? Uh, am I protecting myself from not feeling good enough? So if I do this, it'll make me feel better about myself because I am making that investment. And so it isn't always what we do. It's why we do what we do. Yeah. So God wants to use us to, to be a voice, to be an instrument, to, to speak his truth, to serve others, to love others, to value them. All those things are so important. But when we put the responsibility on ourselves. uh, to do that by our strength, our power, our ability, then I think we really trip up. Uh, and the last question I wrote down, am I trying to fix something inside of me mm-hmm. by fixing something in them? Well, that was a question that I had that kind of goes along with it. It was, could it be that you're always trying to fix other people's problems because you're not ready to face your own? Mm. And so it's kind of like a diversion. If I could mm-hmm. fix them, maybe then it will work itself out in me. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's something that you need to look at. Maybe I need to work on some internal things within me so I can be freer to mm-hmm. let my family experience. And consequences isn't a bad thing. It's just the fruit of behavior or action. Experience the consequences of, like, if I'm told to clean my room every day. And when I get home, it's clean because my mother can't stand a messy room. I will never change Yeah. because- Are you I'm, talking about when you were growing up with did me? Did you do that? No, I charged you $5 if I had to make your bed. Oh, that's where I get that <laughs> because yeah. I'm always like, I'll do this, um, but you can pay me for it. Yeah. So that's what I did. So if you made your bed- Great. I if will you say, didn't, it cost you $5. You might say, well, that seems mean. But I have never received $1 from my children <laughs> in saying that. <laughs> well, you have to collect it. <laughs> oh, I would collect it. Believe me, I would. And my children know that I would. But you I, have to I start say, upping the ante. Like this, the first time it's a dollar, the second time it's $2. Because <laughs> eventually, I mean, I could see at least one of your kids being like, here's a buck, you do it for me. <laughs> but... If it, if the cost yeah, got yeah. greater, as they make more money, yes, yeah. the co- <laughs> yeah. actually, and I don't really, have to. Joe, you made your bed most mornings because you didn't want to have to pay me that five dollars. Really? Yep, you made your bed. Yep. Yeah, I will say I, I don't have to use the money thing as much. Usually, it's Xbox. Oh, that's that the is, thing that works. There was no Xbox when you were a teenager. No, there was a Nintendo, Atari. I love it um, when uh, there's serious moments in church. The other week I asked what people were grateful for and your youngest son screams out louder than anybody else, Xbox! And as he did that, I thought, hmm. <laughs> I had a, a crisis in my soul. I'm thinking, does he need Xbox? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these are these are really great questions that you offered. Um so do you have any other thoughts on this one? We have a few more questions that we um, can Just get one to. statement on sure. that is I believe our goal is to help people take responsibility for their lives. So the more our investment- As a leader. As a leader. Okay, not uh, as a, a sister. Like, right. I think we're talking about friends and family. Mm-hmm. I think you can really overstep boundaries when you haven't been given the position of it or even the authority for it. 
Um, I'd say there's two ways in which we have uh, a, a platform of influence to impact a person's life. Number one, do we have the relationship with? And number two, do we have authority with? So as a parent, there is authority. As a pastor, there can be authority. As a leader in someone's life, there's a realm of authority. Or we are very close. We're very invested in each other. And even in this question, it says, my friends and my family's problems. So there is a bridge of relationship. And when you have a bridge of relationship, there is a motivation to want to see those you love healed. And and in the midst of that, that's why I say one of our goals is to support them so they can take responsibility for their lives, their healing process. Well, if no one listens to your input, then there's probably not a great level of authority in that person's life. No, or friendship. Yeah. So as a fixer, though, that doesn't stop you typically, like for me anyway. I try to live my life very, um, how can I put it, um, free of <laughs> drama. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, and and that's what makes us different. Like you said, you're kind of because <laughs> I'm super hungry for drama. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, that, that's no. what I meant. Now I'm talking about you. You have this great desire to to fix or offer solutions. Yeah. I I want to see people live their best lives. <laughs> I do in a way, but it, it's definitely come, maybe it's just all the years of ministry, I, I, I see it more as I do that when there's an invitation for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, whenever there is an invitation, that's beautiful because that gives you an opportunity to be able to speak truth. And in the midst of speaking truth, uh, communicate, I don't have the power to fix this, but you do have the power. You have the power of choice. You can take responsibility for this area of your life. And I'm willing to model the way, but I can't do it for you. Well, I don't know if I gave this situation in uh, in a previous episode, but one of my uh, we got a text from one of the teachers and basically said, I guess the day before uh, there was a substitute and my youngest child did not make the best decisions. He was a little wild. Nothing bad or wrong, but he was, you know, causing um, issues, I guess, with his behavior. And so I was like really debating, how was I going to deal with this? So when he got home, um, I said, hey, bud, can you come here? And so I said, I got a text from a teacher and I read it to him. And the fear of the Lord is <laughs> over his face. He's thinking, what is going to happen to me? And um, at the end of it, I just said, uh, you made a mess. What are you going to do? Mm, there you go. And then, and I just didn't leave it at that. At that, I said, what are you going to do? Tell me what your plan is. Well, I plan tomorrow in the morning to go talk to them and apologize. Awesome. And then I went through a couple other things with them of how how he could clean up that mess. But I expected him to yeah, do it. Yes. And that was a great lesson for him. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. you're punished by not having this. I just felt like in that moment, it was like, you made a mess. What are you going to do about it? And it was funny the next day, 
the ride to school was really quiet, my <laughs> wife said, because he was probably processing what he had to do to clean up the mess. And so, See, but it was a great- so good. You yeah. did not shame him. You empowered him so he would take responsibility. And by him doing that, it was just not a lesson learned because he did the wrong thing. It's he responded righteously. Mm -hmm. And so- something he did wrong actually was a beautiful learning curve for him probably not to repeat that again because he had to process through it. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to be clear here. I don't always make perfect choices as a parent. <laughs> uh, and, you know, when you listen to podcasts, you're you're hearing all the victories of something. <laughs> but that was a moment where it was a victory as a great father moment. <laughs> uh, but it, I don't always uh, choose wisdom in my... <laughs> I try to, but... Uh, I just want to make that clear because I think sometimes people think, feel like things are impossible because it sounds so perfect. But in that situation, it, it was a good choice on my part. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. But I think that really goes to back to the question. If you can let people hold their own power, their own decisions, their own consequences, um, and then when they invite you in, great. But if they don't, like you just can't take on something that's not yours. That's something that I'll say often. Um, if somebody's facing this, they're saying, well, what about this person and this person's doing that? I just say, well, are you carrying something that doesn't belong to you? You, yeah. you have to put it down. Um, and because sometimes it's not, you're not even communicating. Like somebody's not asking for help, but you're seeing their life and you want it to be better for them. Like there was this one person that I'm close with, but I didn't have an inroad to communicate. But emotionally, I was carrying the weight and the Lord corrected me. And he said, Katie, you think that you are a better teacher to them than I am. And that was what I needed to hear to put wow. that down because it was like, oh, okay, I'm trying to figure out a way to manipulate really a situation or a person into different behavior. Uh, that isn't mine. So at that moment, at his correction, I put it down and guess what? It all worked out. <laughs> so um, just taking on responsibility that's not yours is not going to benefit you. It's not going to benefit them. Uh, Katie, you and I, have had, we've had lots of conversations through the years. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you love me, you value me, you're honest with me, but I, I could almost, I've never asked you this, but great the, time when the world yes, is when the whole world's listening. But isn't it probably true, or is it true for you that your greatest breakthroughs of growth were the things that the Lord revealed to you? Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. So even though we can talk and communicate and support one another, the fact is we're only going to overcome because we went to the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's the only way it works. Yeah. Something that I find very funny in ministry slash leadership is for years I will be telling someone that this would be the way to do it or uh, I could see this. And then one day they come and said, you know what? I thought <laughs> this would be a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, after <laughs> two years of... And it wasn't just me, but it was like when the revelation came, mm -hmm. whether it was from the years of investment or it was the Holy Spirit illuminating something, until they take ownership of a thought, 
it really is not going to produce yeah. much change. Yeah. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, the quickening of the Holy Spirit to make a truth or a solution or whatever it is a reality yeah. so that I can apply it. That's where, you know, I am that I'm constantly trying to think of the solutions. And I have just recognized that if I do that on my own, I'm going to get one set of results. But if I do that with the Lord, mm-hmm. I'm still going to do it. But if I invite him in, mm-hmm. then I'm inviting him into the situation. And those are the moments where I get those, whether it's corrections or revelations, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I'm still doing what I'm doing. It's just now I'm doing it with him instead of trying to do it yes. without him. And that yes. makes all the difference. I love this scripture in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, where it says, I pray Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. He knew he didn't have the power yeah. to cause them to see, mm-hmm. you know, that they would know the hope of their calling because he was this great preacher. No, I pray that God will do this for you. Yeah. Because that's the only way that it's ever going to really bring lasting, mm-hmm. you know, change and transformation to a life or healing or whatever it is. It's good. Yeah. So I hope that we helped. You, I hope that we, how can I word word this? I hope that we helped you. To help Fix your problem of (laughs) wanting to fix others' problems. Yeah, that's where I was going with it, but the words wouldn't come out of my mouth. So thank you, yes. I hope that we helped you in your dilemma of helping to fix other people's problems. Do you see do you see the paradigm? I think the, this question really turns back on the asker. Yeah. <laughs> why yeah, for sure. why am I doing this? Yeah. So well, where are we going next? How about we do the prophetic word one? Personal prophecy. All right. Well our next question, we're going in a different direction. Uh, this question is what weight should we give to personal prophecy in our life? I think it holds a lot of value, a lot of importance in our life personally, as well as the body of Christ. And so what we mean by that, so that we're just on the same page, personal prophecy is receiving a prophetic word <laughs> from someone else speaking it into your life and it is a word of the Lord. So it's not you hearing the voice of God and mm-hmm. for yourself. It's a personal prophecy from an external mm-hmm. person, you know, someone that's giving it to you. And I think it can be personal. It can also be corporate where you, it, it illuminates revelation inside of you mm-hmm. in, in a corporate word. And that's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, it says, despise not prophesying. I just love that. Yeah. It says, I don't want you to despise that. And it means uh, neglect, don't give it of any credibility. So if we do not give credibility and value to prophecy, then what we're doing is we're despising it. And God said, I don't want you to despise this. Mm-hmm. This is a gift that I've given to you as a believer and given to the body of Christ to edify, to exhort, to comfort, to build up. That's simple prophecy. And it is so valuable in the body of Christ because it's not just what we speak. It's an attitude. It's a spirit that we carry that will uh, be so in tune to the heart of fa- of the Father that we will edify, exhort, and comfort others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
It's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Did you have something? Yeah, I I was thinking that, and whether you believe this or not, that there are some amazing people who did amazing things for God that never received a personal prophetic word from a prophet. Mm -hmm. So how much value does personal prophecy have? Or personal prophecy has value, but it can't replace a willing and obedient heart. See, a lot of times I think, at least in the circles that we're in, that so much emphasis is receiving a prophetic word. But the thing that matters is, is your heart willing and obedient to the voice of God? Mm-hmm. That is what matters. So yes, it holds value, not but not in comparison to being obedient yeah. to do what the Lord is leading you to do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people... They come, we offer prophetic ministry here every week. Um, so I've seen people come and they're so desperate. They don't know what to do. Yeah. And so they're looking for a prophetic word to direct their lives, which I don't want to get too in the weeds here because this, this could take over a long time talking about all the, the aspects of the prophetic. But um, like you were saying, um, the a prophetic word through a person should never, ever replace the voice of God. Um, And so we teach that if a personal prophetic word violates or goes against the the written word of God or um, the spoken word of God, then um, we don't, we don't follow that word because the word of man will never trump the word of God directly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the the prophetic coming, you know, the a prophetic word through another person um, is coming through a per, a person. It's coming through an imperfect yeah. person who um, hears partially, um, who hears in part. That's what the Bible says that we and hear in part. Through, we prophesy in part. It's going through their filter yeah. of understanding as well. Yeah. Now that's not to say that we should discount a prophetic word that came through an imperfect person. Prophetic words through people have changed my life. If you heard a previous episode, I got a prophetic word that completely um, spoke calling and destiny into my life that changed the trajectory of my life. Um, So I do think, like you were saying, despise not prophecy. There are times when I've gotten prophetic words that um, I thought, wow, that one's right on. There are times when I've gotten them and I thought, well, they got it totally wrong. And years later, those things were fulfilled. Um, and I've gotten prophetic words that might never come true um, or come to pass. They might have been off. Um, so I think that it is important to to take and put weight and put stock into them because we're not to despise the prophetic. We're not to despise the gift of prophecy that God has given to every believer to hear and communicate his voice. I think that is very important um, where we are not to take it take too much weight in it is it is not to ever replace the the word of God in spoken or uh, revelation form. Um, And so we do offer just a couple um, things. If you want to know more about the prophetic one, uh, we were trained under the, he's known as the the father of the prophetic movement, Dr. Bill Hammond. Um, He he wrote a series of three books on prophecy. They're excellent. I highly recommend if you want to learn more about the prophetic. And there is one of those that's on personal prophecy. Um, Go grab that book. It's really, really good. 
Secondly, we have on our website on givinglight.org, if you go to our um, prophetic ministry page, we have a whole list of what we give to people when we get when we give prophetic words. And it's just called what to do with a prophetic word. And it's really, really helpful, really practical ways to kind of take a prophetic word once you've received it. Um, and it's going to help you to know what what to expect, what to do, how to partner with it, uh, what to look for. Um, so those things are there for you. So rather than spending an hour <laughs> reading them to you, I'll just direct you to them there again on our website uh, under the prophetic ministry page. So I, there's different levels to the prophetic. So we just threw out the word prophetic and mm-hmm. we can go into many, many different avenues of that. Uh, what I talked about in the very beginning was the simple gift of prophecy, which would edify, exhort, and comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that just builds the body and it's beautiful and it should be celebrated. And every person, as they hear the voice of God, as you shared, Katie, it should line up with the word of God. It should line up with the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And if we if we communicate that or we receive that, it's a beautiful thing because it just encourages, it motivates us to walk out our Christian walk mm-hmm. on this earth. And then other things you talked a little bit about, you got more into much more maybe the prophet end of something where you heard from a prophet. And so there's a big difference of someone holding the office of a prophet and prophesying and a believer giving a a word of edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's kind of like, you know, you don't want to throw the same guidelines to one as you do the other. I will throw in there, I definitely agree and hear what you're saying. Uh, I do, I've also seen where some people come in for a prophetic word and they already have in their heart (laughs) the direction they want to go. And so they might receive a very, um, quote unquote, basic, simple word of exhortation and they take that as God's stamp of approval to do what they want to do. Yeah, the Bible calls it, you hear according to your idol. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's just keeping a pure heart, whether you're the one giving or receiving a word. Um, but just to say, like, sometimes you'll take something that is pretty general and do what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't want to throw a no, no, that's wrench good. in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's more the person who's receiving the prophetic word. What did they yeah. do with it? Right. Yeah. Growing up in this culture, it's some I've I have I don't know how many prophetic words I've received, but I've received a lot. For me personally, and this might not be true for every single person, but for me, a personal prophecy uh, should be another layer of confirmation to what God has already spoke already spoken to me. Uh, that's not always the case, but I would say that's a, a theme that when I get a prophetic word, God is confirming what my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So when I hear a prophetic word, there there should be some level of agreement within my spirit. Now, I do understand that some prophetic words are real course directing and some prophetic words are things that you don't even understand yet that you have yet to experience. So I understand that. But I would say a general rule of thumb for someone that has received a lot of prophetic words is a lot of them have been more confirming what the Lord was already doing and saying in my life. Because that's what gives you the courage to walk out what you know and God's it's called like, you to do. When you're discouraged or disappointed, you're like, actually, I'm in the right place at the yeah. right time doing the what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's right. And I, I 
go back to the scripture. It says, we know in part and prophesy in part. So you recognize we're just, we are human beings Mm -hmm. and we are only speaking in part. So when someone gives a personal prophetic word, even a high level world renowned prophet, they still only know in part. Yeah. And I, uh, you talked about, uh, my spiritual father, Bishop Hammond, I remember he spoke something to me and I said, Bishop, God's going to have to reveal to me (laughs) personally that before I would step out on that. He goes, that's exactly right. You know, and he was so supportive and, and he was, so he wasn't trying to direct my steps. He, he, he spoke what God spoke, but even here, the father of the prophetic that's known globally I knew in my heart that I had to have that confirmed by God yeah. before I could just step out. I cannot go even on a word from this amazing yeah. father in the faith who loves me, but uh, but I, I have to inquire of the Lord and seek him and say, okay, because there there's timings for everything. Yeah. And you might get a word and he even speaks a lot of times, you know, how you hear uh, throughout the nation, this is the word of the Lord for whatever year it is. He says, usually you don't even see those things manifested for three to five years. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you might get a word, it speaks something uh, into existence or it speaks where God's going so we can move in that direction, but it doesn't necessarily, it's gonna be manifested in the next weak in our microwave mindsets, you know? And I love receiving personal prophetic words. I think it's awesome. I think it can really encourage the body. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful gift, but personal prophecy cannot replace cultivating a relationship where you hear the voice of God for yourself. Right. Like I said before, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah. Right. So we can recognize his voice through relationship. I also think of uh, the example of where, where Moses, it was said that Moses understood and knew the ways of God, meaning he understood why God was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But the Israelites only knew him by what he his, did. His works. His yeah. acts. His acts. So like I said before, if we're just relying on personal prophecy to be that voice for us, we're really missing out on an opportunity to grow in our faith, grow in our relationship with the Lord. It's kind of like, okay, maybe you can't relate to the the prophet, personal prophetic word, but I've heard so many people come up and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you prayed about it? Well, you're so much better at it. <laughs> No, you need to cultivate that prayer life. I got a life. good story on that. Oh, yeah, tell us. Yeah, in the very, very, the first church we pastored in Kansas City after uh, getting out of Bible school, this woman in the church called me constantly and saying, please pray for my husband. My husband's doing this and he's abusive and he's going on and she's going on and on and on and on and on. And I mean, after weeks and weeks of her calling me every single day, I said, well, have you prayed? She goes, I don't have time to. (laughs) And I said, well, from this point forward, I refuse to. (laughs) What? Yeah. And she got so offended with me. I can't see why. (laughs) Yeah. She was very offended with me. Now, I mean, I didn't have a lot of wisdom. I was 24, I guess, or something, 25. It was a true statement, but not wisdom in delivering it. Yeah, I was just... (laughs) 
Well, maybe know? it was wisdom in delivering and yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I just, I thought, this is crazy. I'm not here to do all the work for you. And But long story short, she called me up. Uh, it was probably a couple months later, and she said, Melody, thank you so much for saying that. I was so angry at you, but I started praying for my husband. Do you know my <laughs> husband just gave his life to the Lord? And <laughs> she's going on and on and on. And so when she took responsibility to literally go to God herself and to pray for her husband, yeah. rather than assuming, you know, a pastor would have suddenly more clout with God or a prophet would have more clout with God or someone else. No, we we can go to our God yeah. personally and he will hear, you know, our heart. And Like I said, I feel like it's another layer mm-hmm. added to what God is doing in your life. It can't replace an intimate relationship exactly. with him. And it also doesn't replace community. Yeah. Getting a getting a prophetic word does not mean that you then go get to <laughs> lord it over your leadership or say, well, God said that I'm a worship leader, so you have to let me lead worship now. Yeah. Um, that is not what a prophetic word is for. Um, there, That's part of our what we give to people is that you still need to remain submissive to um, godly leadership in your life. You still need to have community around you so that you're not being that lone ranger just saying, well, God told me this um, through a prophetic word because, uh, again, they're coming through imperfect people. I had a group come in years ago for prophetic ministry, and here they were, they were deciding on a church split and they were the splitters and they came in for a prophetic word. And I am going like, I'm looking at my team going, be super careful in what you say, because they're looking looking for for a reason to say that God confirmed what they were doing. And um, so, I mean, I could just talk stories and lots of (laughs) principles here, but um, yeah, it's not to replace the, the voice of God, it's also not to replace healthy, godly community in your life. So we're putting 10 to 15 minutes into something that we spend years yeah. <laughs> teaching and training yeah. people. I've been doing prophetic training for years, and most of the training is, oh my gosh, 40, 50 hours till you <laughs> have it all done, and you're, you're still not... Uh, exhausting everything one day about we'll the prophetic. have a prophetic course together yeah. but not we had, today we had to do it yeah and but i think about even even in that where you know i do bring a lot of prophetic training and i'm in organizations that uh, give me that beautiful opportunity there usually is a person coming up and said i need you to prophesy over me to tell me what to do and i said i'm sorry i won't yeah i said that that's not and there my are role. some prophets that will Mm-hmm. And there might be, yeah. that's not me though. Yeah. Because my goal, I think the greatest role we have as leaders, prophetic or apostolic, pastor, pastors or whatever we are, whatever leader we are, our goal is to draw people to Jesus once again. Yep. Going back to the fix them thing, mm-hmm. you know? We don't want people to be dependent upon us or look to us to hear God for them. Yeah. Uh, but to run to the author and the finisher of their faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, there's no fast track mm-hmm. on walking out our destiny. 
But all of that to say, hey, if you want a prophetic word, get a prophetic word, we'll (laughs) prophesy over you. It is is good. It is life-giving. It is affirming. It is um, exhorting. So, you know, it's not a negative thing at all. No, (laughs) it's a beautiful, but we're not going to tell you what to do. (laughs) No, we're not going to tell you what to do, except go to Jesus. Yeah, there you go. At least in this house. In this house. Yeah, that's all I can speak for. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's it's the life exchange podcast. It's ours that we can bring. Yep. Yeah. Our if you would like to have Dallas on this topic, create your own podcast and uh, <laughs> say whatever you want. Yeah. And we would probably give a lot of balance on it if we had. Uh, I think we did a lot of more hours in here. <laughs> oh, there's plenty more things that we could say about oh, it, but yeah, yeah. I this think this is a lot- not the prophetic podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, are we going to tackle another one? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. I mean, we had another prophetic question, but we could maybe leave that for another time. Yeah. Um, here, here's a good one. Um, this comes from a listener in Maryland. Maryland. I was trying to think, what state does this person live in? Uh, but the question is, are we defined by our actions or by our worth slash value? How do we appropriate the difference? Yeah. First of all, <laughs> we do not want to be defined by what we do. We cannot be defined by our life experience, our family of origin, the good, bad, ugly of our life. None of those things can define us. Um, so it's not at all by what we do. Uh, our value isn't even on how we view ourselves. Our value is based upon God's view of us. And really, I think we spend our life discovering who we are in God and the potential that we have. And the more we discover that and see our value, the more we're able to release that in into our world. But uh, we cannot be defined by any of those things because it'll get us off track. Well, and we talked about this in a previous episode, and what you're talking about is our innate, unchanging value That's right. as a human being created by God. So that value is completely fixed. Um, there is another part of value, though, that is what you do. Right. And I think that it's, again, it's very important to remember the difference. Yeah, that's um, good. That there is your unchanging fixed value, and then there is the value of what you do. Um, Because I will tell you, um, I do not want to go to a doctor who has not proven their value (laughs) as a doctor. Like them saying, hey, this is the first time I performed this, so I hope it goes well. Yeah, I went to the YouTube Academy of Doctor and... (laughs) Um, so I, there is a value in your skill. I want to go for a service to someone who is worth what I am paying them. There is a, another side of value, um, that is worth looking at. I think that's kind of what this question is addressing is where, what is the difference? Because we do want to be a person who is, uh, worth our weight in gold when it comes to the quality that we are offering, whether that be the quality of our character or of our competencies, because that is something that can change. It can fluctuate. Um, you can grow those things. You can digress in those areas. Um, so we do want to be a person of 
quality um, in what we're bringing to the table. Where the separation comes is one is our doing, one is our being, one is our identity that is completely fixed. Um, so, yeah, kind of like our destiny versus our purpose yeah. or how, or how versus our identity. Well, our identity is who we are intrinsically yeah. mm-hmm. and our purpose is our expression to to that. Right. And so there are always will be times in our life where someone isn't going to value what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I've or even who my you whole are. Life. Pardon? Or even who you are. Oh, yeah, true. They might not value you or they might not value what you bring to the table. So I guess it all goes back to how does God view us? How does he see us? But if we are defined by man's opinion uh, or uh, where we're at on the quote-unquote ladder of success or all those things, then I think we're, we're stepping into a place where we can sabotage our ability to develop the value we bring to the table because face it, I can do a lot of things and someone could be critical of what I do. But if I give them power, if I give those words power and begin to devalue what I bring to the table, then I'll stop the process of my growth Mm -hmm. because, Hey guys, you, you guys are in this room. You know, I try doing things on computers or social media or editing something or whatever, I can't even compare to the level in which you do it, right? And you could look at it and say, well, that sure could have been done a lot better. But the fact is, if I would allow the two of you who do those things much better than me, if it causes me to devalue what I bring to the table, then I'll stop growing in it. Mm -hmm. I'll just throw it away because I'm not as good as... And I can't do that because my ultimate value comes from who I am. And then my expression of what I do is a work in progress. Yeah, My identity is what I discover, but what I do is how I partner with God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we grow line upon line here, a little there, a little. You know, we want to get better every day, but we can't allow any form of devaluation, which was another podcast, any form of devaluation of what we bring to the table to stop us from growing in that. One of the ways that I looked at this, this question of how are we defined by our, our worth and value or by what we do or, or our actions. And the first thing I think that you need to look at is you need to recognize who's judging. Oh, good. Because 99% of the time, the world around you will only judge you by what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I say that because it's important to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Recognize the world around you, 99% of people, probably (laughs) 99.999999, unless you know Pastor Melody, uh, (laughs) will judge you on what you do. So you have to recognize who's judging me, Okay. Uh, the next thing, well, what about judging ourselves by our actions or our mm-hmm. worth? And I think that really comes down to how you were raised, right? So what expectations were placed on you as a child? Because some families are very much like, we want you to be your creative self. <laughs> and then you have other families that are like, uh, we don't care about your creative we self. We don't care about your creative self. How you perform is what is important to us. And, and 
in the kingdom, it's not necessarily like that. So you have to look, am I judging myself based on how I was raised? Mm -hmm. So then the next thing is, how am I judged by my creator? Yeah. Now think about that. Yeah. How am I judged by the one who created me? I think that's the real question. Yes. What is my intrinsic worth or what is my intrinsic value? Right? So we have to go back to if we're if we want anybody to judge us, it's the one who created us and formed us and knew us before we were even born. Yeah. But I think it's important to recognize that a lot of 99% of the time the world around you will judge you only based on what you do. Unless you know Pastor Melody, which will judge you on your intrinsic worth, there might be a few more. Now, now that's now, but isn't it true when you were a little guy, you you had to perform, didn't you? You had to produce. When you cleaned, you had to clean according to my expectations. Isn't that right? Yeah. I had this whole perfectionistic streak that if it wasn't perfect, I felt shame and I projected that onto you and Rebecca. And that mm -hmm. was in the midst of my shame and my fear, not seeing my value of who I was or not seeing the value of what I brought to the table. So I put pressure on my kids to perform. And I don't even know if you remember those years, praise God, I got healed when you were in middle school uh, and things began to change after that point and it gave me a, a, a lot of time to repent. But in those forming years, there was a lot of pressure on you to produce from somebody who just loved you. You know, I loved you and I showed you love and all those things. But there was that edge to me. And I, honestly, I think a lot of probably every person on the planet to some degree has felt that. Well, I think what you said really proved the point that I was making. Yes, it did. Even though you changed over the years, I still experienced those things. Yes. And like I said, a lot of times we judge ourselves by how we were raised. That's right. And it really didn't change within me until I started seeing my value from my creator. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's when it really shifted. Yeah. So you have to look. How do we define ourselves? By our actions or by our worth? Ultimately, we have to go to the author and the finisher of our faith, our creator. Well, uh, go ahead. well, it's just our intrinsic worth really is the foundation of all we'll ever do. And, and I do want to say with that, as you know why you were created, like I think when you know who you are, yes. like you, you can't separate the two of your actions and who you are. Like faith without actions, without mm -hmm. works is dead. Good. So faith is I'm a new creation in Christ because of who I am, because I am a new creation, mm -hmm. there is a an outward expression of what I hold inside. Yes. And so when we look at, do I define myself by my actions or my worth, I would say those metrics, it's hard to separate those. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, in Ephesians 2, it says, for grace you have been saved through faith. And I love that because it's, not, well, let me keep going. 
and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not mm. of works, lest any man should boast. So your unchanging innate value as a, as a child of God um, means that you are worth enough for him that he paid the price for your sin. He um, wiped away the slate and he said, you're mine. You are, you are in the family of God um, if you choose to be. And so God, because he is holy, he, he will judge us. Now, because he loves us, Jesus became the payment for our sin. He, he paid that price. But because of his holiness, he, he will judge but he sent Jesus. So we're, we're good there. Now the verse keeps going. It says, for we are created for his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, or for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I think this verse really speaks to this question because the first part of it says, um, that your identity is sealed in Jesus. He's, he's not going to judge us, um, based upon every little sin as before Jesus, because of Jesus, it's, it's all good. We're, we are in the family of God, but that doesn't mean that we're not still called to do good works. He said, I created you. And because of Jesus, you're sealed. Your identity is sealed Mm -hmm. in me, but guess what? You're still created for good works and he will judge us based upon our works. Well, based upon what we do now, that's not judging our identity. It's judging what he created us to do. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So it is still important to him what we do. Mm. Um, and that's why I said it's you shouldn't separate right. them. Yeah. It, a lot of people are like, it's either one <laughs> or the other. But I would say when you know who you are from your creator and his identity is instilled within you, what you do just flows from that yes. and they're tied together. Yeah, you're not working for your identity. You're yeah. working from it. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a sermon. <laughs> it does. Have Good you ever? sermon title. <laughs> uh, like, I'll say it this way. Our intrinsic worth is defined by our creator. So we've kind of established that. Our extrinsic worth, what we do, is manifested by our response to who we are intrinsically. So... What I do is the response to who I am. Mm-hmm. And so the more I know who I am in Christ, the more I can trust that what I do is in alignment with his perfect will for my life. And that's why there's a lot of issues with someone trying to understand their identity by what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. You, it's the cart before the horse issue. Yes. Right? And that's why I said you have to run to the author and the finisher of your faith, the one that's created you. Uh, a hypothetical example would be if God created you to be a vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're using who you are to mow the lawn, <laughs> it wouldn't be effective. Right. It would be frustrating and so someone can look and say, well, what that person does isn't of any value. Why? Because they are living outside of why they were created. Yes. And so when you can align who you are with what you do, then there's real power yes. in that. Mm-hmm. So good. I, I love in First uh, Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him. I'm dependent upon him. 
He is my creator and everything I do is because of that. Giving thanks to the God, the Father through him. Yeah. Yeah, that's really key. It's keeping God first, keeping Mm -hmm. him in the God spot. Because whenever our doing becomes attached to our identity, we'll make it an idol uh, and we'll worship it above God. Uh, And it was never meant to be that way. Our work was supposed to be our worship, not, not not what we worship. Yes. Our work is our worship. Yeah. It's an expression. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I like you, you said the God spot. I like that because a lot of times we say, find your sweet spot. What's our sweet spot? It's the God spot, right? (laughs) I I find sometimes in the church, you know, there's this emphasis of that we can't do things out of performance, which is true, right? But I think sometimes people hear that and say, well, I don't have to do anything then. And I think that's a real problem too, because if you were created for a purpose and you don't fulfill that, you're not going to be fulfilled. Right. And so, yes, you need that balance that you can't do it out of performance or trying to validate yourself. You have to do it from functioning in your true identity. Right. And when you do that, then it really pays off. When If you were created to be a vacuum cleaner, mm-hmm. what's going to be the most fulfilling thing is to pick up dirt on carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Some people, I'm not a vacuum cleaner. I don't, but it's an example, people. Come on. It was created to suck. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. That was was my dad joke. That was a great one. I got that joke. (laughs) You were created to suck. I think that needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> Life exchange, cleaner. you were created to suck. <laughs> as long as you have a picture of a vacuum cleaner on there. Well, how about With you were episode. created to suck? Uh, this could be taken out of context. If you would like to learn more, listen to episode blah, blah, blah. I don't want the person to have to be that close to me to read the whole yeah, shirt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) That's bad. Honestly, years ago, that was like a horrible swear word. I wasn't allowed to say it growing up. Oh, my gosh. My kids. (laughs) Doesn't mean I didn't say it, but. Man, you never would have said that word. (laughs) Yep. That would be, I won't say like what. And now the things that come out of your mouth. No. Did I say it? Did I repeat it? We're going to need to work on Lord have understanding mercy. sarcasm and uh, All right, I well, feel like that answered levity. that question, right? Yeah, it so. did. It was a good analogy. Well, if not, you had a good time <laughs> listening or to Or you're it. offended and never listened to another Life Exchange podcast. We still love you. We still value you. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like these Q&A questions, uh, keep sending them in. So you can send them to lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see if next episode is a one topic or or questions. But I like this format. I don't know about you guys. But. The people will let... Okay, the people their, will decide. They will, they will decide. All right. Do you hear that, guys? You have to decide. And if you never... Write in or let us know. We're just going to do what we want to do. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.